For more resources, visit rym.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, All this week, we were talking to Dr. Derek Thomas. Uh, Yesterday, we asked him three pieces of advice that he would give to someone serving in uh, student ministry. So if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back and uh, check that out. Uh, Dr. Thomas, as a chancellor professor at Reformed Theological Seminary, uh, what are some notable differences, uh, both positive and negative, of students today uh, compared to students years ago when you began? Did you say it was 1996 when you began at RTS Jackson? Was that right? Uh, well, when I began to teach, you began to uh, teach, but it was 1976 when I was there as a student. Mm. So, so we are we are talking of of 40 plus years. <laughs> so even from being a student uh, in the 70s to professor to to now as you teach, what are some of those those differences you notice? Again, both positive and negative. Yeah, well, I certainly don't want to become or sound like uh, the grumpy old guy who's always. <laughs> down on millennials or or generation z or whatever well we welcome that Um, so that's fine if you want to go that direction (laughs) so let me start with something positive uh and i i mean this quite sincerely i i am always amazed when i start teaching a new class whether it's in charlotte or atlanta or jackson or wherever it might be i'm always amazed that there's anybody there (laughs) Uh, And I'm always amazed that there are lots of people there. And typically, uh, I mean, I just taught a class uh, this uh, past spring in Charlotte, and there were close to 30 people in the class. And I'm wondering, where where do these people come from? And they're young, talented, well-educated, motivated uh, folk uh, who could make millions in business and and banking and as lawyers and doctors and and because they're on the whole smart and 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 instead they have chosen ministry of some description uh and and that's that's hugely encouraging uh now one of the differences i think between the time i went to seminary and today is that typically a student, uh, it costs more money to go to seminary than it did in my time. And um, I, I did not leave seminary with a debt, um, which is almost unheard of today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, typically a student who's married with, with X number of children, you know, he's working two or three jobs as well as doing seminary. And, and that that really does affect a great deal, I think, of the usefulness of what it is that they're learning. And for some students, seminary just becomes a means to an end. 
and not something to enjoy. And and particularly, and, and this I think is true of campuses that are commuter campuses as opposed to residential campuses that as soon as the lecture is over, they're gone because they're heading off to work uh, across town somewhere. And so there's no, there's no chit chat. There's no fellowship with other students. And I'm, I'm exaggerating it now to make a point, but, but I think that some of the things that I learned most well and things that I remember most well from seminary in my time was actually not necessarily in the classroom, but it was hanging out over coffee in the fellowship hall uh, with other students and arguing and debating and listening and and so on. And those are those are very important. So, I mean, the f- first of all, I'm I'm encouraged by the num- sheer numbers, uh, and I'm I'm discouraged by the cost of it and and the burden that that puts on um, students, and perhaps the cost to the church that students are not perhaps as well educated in the sense that they they do their work but there's no extra because there's no time to do that further research and 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 so on and and that's a, a concern mm-hmm. um i i think that there's a marked change between my generation and current generations in in the sense that and i think this is a good thing um i, I sense among uh, students today, those who are married, um, that family comes first. And actually, I'm not sure that my generation would have put it that way. And and I think when I went to seminary, the church came first, and and the family came second. I remember saying to my wife when I proposed to her, and she's the only girl I ever dated, you know, that she had to understand. And I was I was pretty blunt about it and 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 totally unromantic about it as i recall but making it clear that i was first of all going to be a minister and she was going to be a minister's wife and that if she wasn't happy with that then then there was no future to this relationship now i'm i'm cutting down something that probably took an hour to say um, i think that was but, on a hallmark card that i saw somewhere by the way but i i think it demonstrates how that's what i was taught that if you're if you're involved in Christian ministry, that comes first and family comes second. And, and, you know, if I could undo anything, you know, I, I think I would give more time to my family than I did to be honest. Um, because I was always racing off to do something more and seeing this person and, and trying to fix this or, or that or the other. And I, I do sense among the students that I now teach and among younger ministers for sure, um, that their family comes first. And perhaps in part, that's a reflection of the fact that far too many in my generation's marriages actually failed. And uh, the products of those marriages are now the students who are in, um, in seminary, and many of them come from uh, broken homes, uh, sadly. Uh, so, so, so if I'm asked that question, I mean, I do, I do sense that difference between between our generations. Um, my, my my concern, you know, now I do sound like the old grumpy guy, 
but I, I am concerned about technology and, and I'm not a Luddite, you know, you can't go backwards. Uh, and, and I, I have all of the gadgets going uh, and can't imagine life without the internet and, and being able to find the answer to something in 10 seconds simply by, by searching for it online. Um, but I do see, I, I do see now that less and less students are buying books. I mean, they buy textbooks. I, I go into ministers' libraries, you know, and I see books on the shelf. But their books, most of them are textbooks that they read when they were at seminary. But they're not, they're not reading in the same way. I think, uh, and that is a, that is a concern. I'm 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 concerned by a trend that I see, you know, that you prepare your sermon in Starbucks with a with an Apple Mac MacBook and um, and that's it really. And you have your earbuds in and you're preparing sermon. And I'm not saying that that can't be done, but I I do think there's a cost involved in that, and and the cost is that you can't possibly do the kind of work that you're meant to do um, in that environment. At least I would find that enormously difficult. And, um, you know, there's, we are all products of our society and we're all products of our upbringing and we're all products uh, unless we are um, very, very motivated in being countercultural. You know, we we do live in a culture that feels entitled. And uh, I mean, far too many students have said to me, I worked hard and therefore I deserve an A. And that's just silly. I mean, that's just completely silly. And, you know, we need to, we need to look at that statement and analyze it for what it is and, and frankly repent of it. But it is, a, it is a reflection, I think, of the entitlement culture. Um, and, and one sees it in in the hirings that are made at churches and, and they come with that baggage and, and therefore the kinds of, uh, the kinds of things that you see in a typical church staff are actually no different from the kinds of things that you would see in any work environment. Uh, and it's a product of, of, of our culture and, and therefore, um, you know, swimming against that tide, uh, is is difficult, but it needs to be done. But I'm I'm more encouraged than I am discouraged. <laughs> mm. Hey, yeah, you said so much good stuff, and I was thinking through just a lot of a lot of questions there. And like you said, emphasizing the encouragement. Um, but there there needs to be, you know, every age has its blind spots, and um, there there needs to be. Um, you know, rebuke at times, and uh, that, that's needed. So I, I guess all that to say, don't I don't want it to sound like it's it's too negative. I just, just one of the things you said about how um, you see less and less books, and that these students are, are not reading in the same way. I mean, I know that there are studies that talk about e-readers. I mean, I have an e-reader; they're handy. I prefer a, a paper book to hold and to underline in. And you know, they talk about how we read in a different pattern, uh, just using the e-readers. Um, would you talk just a little bit more about that when you said not reading in the same way? Um, what, what, what exactly did you mean uh, by that? Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that 
uh, information technology has done to us is that it's a tool simply to get an answer. So we, we pop in the question and out comes the answer and, and, and that's it. Whereas I, I think that the, that there is a there is a a thing that takes place I think when you have a book in your hands or several books in your hands or on the desk and you're actually researching you're actually asking different kinds of questions because the answers are not going to come immediately and you actually have to read more carefully to find the nuanced answer that you're looking for rather than a two-sentence quote that you can put in here from whoever. Uh, and, and because the quote sounds kind of good, you're content with that. So I, I do think we pay for the ease of information technology. And I love an e-reader when you're traveling and you don't have to carry six books with you, uh, for sure. So, um, But I actually like having a book in my hands and and going back and rereading it and underlining it. And, you know, I abuse my books, but it's the way that I think that my mind actually learns from that. And um, I was uh, reading a blog by Al Mohler within the last few weeks. And, you know, I forget what it was called, but it was about books and the importance of physical books. Uh, which which I empathize with a great deal as and, and Al Mohler's got one of these comprehensive minds that that you wonder if he ever needs a, a book. Um, but um, I, I do I do think I, you know I, I I wince a little bit when I when I go into a, a Starbucks say and and I see three ministers in there, um, which is fairly typical. And they're preparing their sermon. And I'm not sure that that's, I'm just not convinced that's the right environment for that. And I, I'm, I'm ready to be, to be shown otherwise, for sure. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's, that's helpful. And look, as, we, as we're drawing this to a close, I mean, you, you made a very sobering statement about the, the, one of the encouraging aspects is that family comes first, it seems to, with, with many of these students today. And um, some of that you, you said just the way you were kind of educated and um, is why you thought uh, opposite. But what was it about that that age, that season of life, that, that um, season of ministry or what, whatever? What was it that, that tended to place less emphasis on, on the family? You know, you could answer that in in a good sense in that it's a commitment to ministry and Jesus comes first and Jesus' family comes first and church comes first. I mean, we all empathize with that. But it doesn't come first at the expense of our families. And and I think that we can sometimes, my generation anyway, can sometimes justify what is a bad marriage. But we justify it by saying this is the cost of working for Jesus. And, and some of the logic of that is wrong. And I, and I think Jesus would say, go and fix your marriage first. Um, and, and so I applaud 
the the younger generation in what I what I perceive to be a commitment to family, I, sometimes at the expense of church, and sometimes it can go in the in, in you know too far. Idolatry of family, yes, for sure. Right, and 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 those involved in church ministry that think it's a you know a ten to three job, and and don't ask me after three o'clock because I'm heading home. And and so you, there's a balance here somewhere, but but I think it's the it's the commitment to making a good marriage and a good and being good parents and loving your children and spending time with them. And and if I could do undo something, I think that would be something that I would want to do better than I did. Mm. Uh, once again, thank you for that that counsel, that advice. Very, very helpful. Uh, tomorrow we will be uh, talking, uh, I guess that was kind of a good segue, we'll be talking about parenting uh, tomorrow and really some advice for you know parents of teens as well as younger parents. So be sure and, and tune in tomorrow. 